Hi guys, welcome to Better Words. I'm Michelle from the Unfinished Bookshelf. Just wanted to talk about a few things. Firstly, I have had absolute hell editing this particular episode, but it's so worth it because we have a fascinating interview to share. Uh, but basically, I <laughs> lost the whole edited piece and I just couldn't face editing it again while I was having a very busy week at work, which is why it's coming to you a little bit late. So thanks for bearing with us. Um, thanks for the tech gremlins for getting in there and deleting my entire edited project. Really appreciate that. I have also been watching Making a Murderer, as no doubt many people have. I mean, it seems to be all anyone can kind of talk about in any like murderino circles at the moment, at least when it dropped last week. I guess it's it's hard to tell whether Stephen Avery is guilty or not. Uh, there's always going to be evidence that isn't presented in certain reporting. Um, I think obviously we know that this isn't an unbiased report and there is a story that they're wanting to get out there and while I don't think that's bad, obviously it's important to remember that there are two sides. However, I have strongly uh, changed my mind on a few things and that is, I, I strongly lean towards the fact that Stephen might be innocent now, only because I, I wonder why you would you would get someone like Kath, Kathleen Zellner to investigate your case. And I just don't know why someone who was innocent would invite that. Um, I still strongly believe that the state's case against Brendan and Stephen was incredibly dubious and that Brendan absolutely shouldn't be in jail because it was a, a, a false confession and a coerced confession. Still got a few episodes, maybe like one or two to go on that, but I've heard from people that's very anticlimactic, which I kind of expected because with the documentary of this nature and a case like this, I would expect to hear something in the news if, in fact, you know, Brendan was, you know, being exonerated completely and you know, Stephen was getting a retrial, I'm sure that it would be in the news before it was on Netflix. So I, I'm not really surprised by that, but I am loving Kathleen Zellner. I think she's an absolute boss and I love her. I have a, I have a couple of other ethical issues with Making a Murderer, uh, which I've talked about a bit more in depth in a blog post, which I should have up in the next few days. Um, speaking of, I've written this blog post with the help of um, the lovely Vix Meldrew. I did some blog coaching with her earlier in the year, which I spoke about, which kind of helped me find my groove a little bit, helped me realize it's okay to not have this weekly blogging schedule because I don't need to be that hard on myself and, you know, just to, to do it when I can, which is what I've been doing. Um... So Vix has had an e-course out at the moment on writing your first viral blog post. So in this case, viral means getting more shares and views than you usually would, which I mean, wouldn't have to be many for me to, to do better than I usually do. Uh, but that aside, I have found it incredibly helpful, some great tips, and it's great to have the one-on-one -on -one feedback with the course. So if you head on over to exciting emails, you can 
take part in the course. Um, but if you don't want to do the course, she's also got an ebook and some more resources coming on this. And if you use the code EEMichelle1, you'll get a discount and that is an affiliate code as well. Um, but if you, if you use that, you get a discount. I highly recommend her stuff and I wouldn't recommend it unless I genuinely loved it. And I, I really like the way Vix works online and just kind of speaks the truth. So I, I love that. And if you're not signed up to exciting emails, her weekly newsletter, then you really need to be. It's, it's great if you're a blogger or doing anything in like the content making sphere online. And um, the final thing I wanted to discuss is the book that I started reading this week, actually two books, because I started one after this editing project, um, just went down the drain the other day. Um, so the first is called The Lido by Libby Page, and it's a really beautiful contemporary novel about the closure or the proposed closure of the Brixton Lido. And for anyone not in the UK, took me ages to figure this out too, but the Lido is like a swimming pool. And I think it's like an outdoor swimming pool. British listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like an outdoor swimming pool as opposed to like a covered swimming pool. And that sounds weird to anyone in Australia because basically all our swimming pools are outdoors. Anyway, the Lido is a really beautiful book. I bought it at Daunt Books in London. And one of the reasons I picked that over the millions of other beautiful books that they had there that I had on my list of books to read is because I picked it up and saw that it was about Brixton, which is where we were staying. And already like right from that, the, the opening sentences start with um, the, the imagery of walking out of the underground train station there and, and walking up onto the street level and the kind of sounds and sights and smells that you're met with. And it just brought back so many memories for me. It was really lovely. We loved exploring Brixton. The little covered market there had the most amazing crepes ever and just beautiful um, shops and we bought some really lovely African um, kind of throw slash shawl things there and it's it's just bringing back a lot of memories so that's lovely and actually the second book that I started after this first um, you know the second book I started after this first shot at me editing this entire podcast just failed completely because uh, I just was like I, I can't do this again <laughs> so the the book that I started after that was called No Country Woman by Zoya Patel and we will be chatting to her for an episode of the podcast um, coming up in the the next few weeks and I'm so excited already it's it's a really wonderful book um, Zoya is Fijian Indian um, Zoya, Zoya's heritage is Fijian Indian, but her parents moved to Australia when she was very young. So the book is basically about the clash of identities, I guess, not feeling like she's part of either the Australian culture by virtue of her parents' culture, but also not feeling like she's part of her parents' culture by virtue of the fact that she has such an Australian culture too um, and hence no country woman because she doesn't have um, a space where she feels 100% that she belongs. Really interested to chat with her about that. If you've read the book and there's a question you'd like to ask, get in touch with us. 
But um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because so far it's quite a fun read. Um, I think Zoya is around our age, so it feels very, like, relevant and stuff, even though she's talking about culture and stuff, which I've never had to deal with um, being a white woman in Australia. So, yeah, I'm just – I'm really, really looking forward to that. So I'm going to shut up now and let Caitlin and Indy tell you a little bit about their trip. And then you're going to hear us um, having a wonderful chat with Peter, the Potter collector, who has the most enviable collection of Harry Potter books ever. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. It's Caitlin here, just a bookish babe. And Indy, uh, Taps Life in Books and Indy's Embellished Books. Yeah. So we're currently in sunny Los Angeles. Um, We're almost at the end of our trip, but really this update, I think, is just going to have to be Orlando and Vegas because there's a lot to cover. We can cover what we've done in LA next um, episode, um, which we'll probably record from Rockhampton. (laughs) Probably. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, So first things first... Disney World. Yes, we went to very hot and sunny Orlando. Oh, it was so hot, so humid. And like, I honestly think it was more humid than like Queensland, like currently right now. Well, where we live is not very humid, so it was very different. We have a very dry heat and rocky, so it was very hot and sweaty. Still not as dry as the rest of Australia. It does get pretty humid, but... I think we checked and it was like 95% humidity. Mm-hmm. Most some days, days, yeah. Oh man, it was sweaty, but it was so much fun. Yes, the first day we went to Magic Kingdom, which is like the biggest park out of all of them, I would say. Yeah, definitely the biggest. So it has all the lands in it, like Fantasyland, Frontier, Adventureland, uh, and Tomorrowland, I think, are the four. Uh, yeah, and then. I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, you and except for like the main um, square where they have Main Street and the castle. Oh, of course, Liberty Square. Oh yeah, Liberty Square. Yeah, but um, um, we spent about thirteen hours mm-hmm. in the Magic Kingdom, um, and in the middle of the day it started raining, so the streets just cleared. Everyone was in the shops, and we were walking it was around, pouring down though. under like one poncho. <laughs> So we got wet, but we got zero crowd photos in front of the castle. So totally worth it. Oh, absolutely (laughs) worth it. It was a great moment. I went to these parks feeling a little bit scared about roller coasters. But damn, I got so addicted while we were there. I was like, no, this one will be fine. Although by the end of it, I would think I was getting a bit I was a bit over the rides. <laughs> a little bit. I have a bit of motion sickness. So like by day five, I was like fearful to go on yeah. any small ride to like set me off. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, our second day was somehow less busy, but also not less busy because we did the morning at Animal Kingdom mm-hmm. and the afternoon at Hollywood Studios. Third and final day at Disney was Epcot. The actual scariest ride was the Hollywood Tower of Terror. But I loved it. I was looking forward to it think, all day. So it was it was a great ride. But I feared for my life. You are sitting like you're strapped in like a roller coaster, but it's in an elevator. It's the Hollywood so Tower other, of Terror. Yeah, so I think I already said that. Oh did but you I can't remember. Every time 
we've been in an elevator since this trip. Indy like mentions the Twilight Zone and I'm like, no, falling in an elevator shaft is a real thing that I don't want to happen. Man, yeah, that was a scary one. Um, so that was Disney World. Um, Universal Studios, obviously amazed and awed by everything at Harry Potter Land. Um, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I should say, not Harry Potter Land. Um, so the first day... We explored the Hogsmeade side. Mm-hmm. Um, we got frozen butterbeer. We had lunch at the Three Broomsticks. We did. That was really good. We had like a shepherd's pie and it was so oh, delicious. So good. I can't even deal with how good it was. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and we also, oh, we went on the rides, obviously. So there's a cute little um, small roller coaster, which is the Flight of the Hippogriff. Yeah, which is, that was really good. It's, it's, a, it's a fun ride, but it's not, you know... It's a normal roller coaster. The cart just looks like a hippogriff and it goes past Hagrid's cabin. Um, and then the other ride was Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Yes. This which was, a- was so good. It was a long lineup, but you get to line up through the castle. You sort yeah. of start in the... Like in the greenhouses? Greenhouse, like yeah. the um yeah, the herbology greenhouses, and they sort of go through the castle a bit. You go into the Defense past, Against the Dark Arts room. Yes, and there's footage that they, you know, got of the um, trio um, saying, like... They were trying to the, avoid... The story is, like, they're getting you out of... Professor Bin's... Like, History of Magic yeah. class or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, so then they strap you into this this thing, like, you're in a row of, like, four, and it, like, moves you around. So it... They move you in front of screens and it's like you're flying and it's 3D type things. And then they like turn you around and you go past dragons and dementors and um, spiders and spiders. And oh, it was so it was really good. So good. It was such a good ride. I think it's the only one that I wanted to go on twice. The rest of our first day at Universal, I think the main uh, story there. Apart from we explored Seussland, went on a Jurassic Park ride, um, was that we had to walk the two Ks back to our hotel soaking wet. Yes, we went on the uh, uh, Popeye's barges, which was just like a like mm. a white water rafting. Yeah, ride. like one of those yeah. ones where you sit in the round and you know you just what is it's rapids? A, rapid river water, rapids river rapids. Something? That's what yeah. I'm looking for. So that one we just thought, oh, it'll be a bit of fun, but like soaked. Completely oh my God. soaked. They they don't even try not to get you wet. They're it's like, oh, let's go down this little waterfall, but you go completely under and like everyone is soaking wet in two yeah. seconds. It was so funny, but like <laughs> I just didn't expect to get that wet so quickly. Yeah, it was so fun. The next day there were more water rides um, at Universal Studios because the first day was Islands of Adventure, Mm -hmm. but we avoided the water rides um, and explored Diagon Alley. So we met Stan Shumpbike at the night bus and when we just walked up to like get a photo, I I thought it was like timed or something, but like the shrunken head started talking and we were just standing there so awkwardly and I'd asked someone to take our photo and she filmed us which was very nice of her. So we have this filmed random conversation where we don't know what's happening between us and Stan and the shrunken head. Yeah, it was very awkward. Yep. Um, and we found 12 Grimmauld Place. Uh, we met Hello Kitty. Oh, yeah. Um, we rode the Hogwarts Express, which is 
you need a park to park ticket and it goes between Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade. So we basically just got on and then got back and just went back just so we could ride the Hogwarts Express. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cute. Yeah. You get to actually in like the... In the, the little, carriage. Yeah, in the carriage. It was adorable. So it was very fun. Oh, so yeah, by the end of day five, we were really theme parked out. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got to Las Vegas, um, we were ready to relax a bit. Mm-hmm. So our first day in Vegas, we went to the Grand Canyon, um, which involved what like three hours on the bus there and then three hours back we did stop at hoover dam for some photo opportunities um, before we continued on to the grand canyon um and when we got to the grand canyon we went to the west rim Mm -hmm. um if anyone's been there um and we walked out onto the skywalk which looks down about 1200 meters like into to the, the ground canyon. into the canyon so you're We're, walking over like six panes of bulletproof glass that can withstand like four elephants yeah. or something Just like saying, it was no it was one that was heaps I oh was like, it was I, so much I, they've so built much this thing completely like indestructible um which makes you feel very safe yeah but it wasn't as scary as we thought you couldn't really grasp how low everything was it kind of just looks almost yeah. like fake like it's just like yeah a poster stuck underneath you know <laughs> yeah exactly I mean I think I, I said to my family I was like you just don't have any scale like when you look down it's just rocks and it's like well how do you know how big rocks are they can be any size so you're just looking at rocks which sounds silly but you just have no idea how far it is you know like if there was a person down there and you could see how big a person is then you can tell exactly you know but you just don't know beautiful it's just beautiful like no it's photo just, could do it justice oh absolutely it's... not like i mean we both took like a thousand photos but they're just like you look at them and you're like oh it's not a very good photo no, it's like just nothing just... like being there and it's really not it. yeah um yeah so the rest of the time at vegas i mean we just explored the strip a bit we learned how to play roulette yes that was so fun it was really fun um yeah tried our hand at gambling um and we went to see cirque du soleil which was amazing i don't even know what to say about it like there's nothing like it we saw o at the bellagio um, which is the one where they feature water, which was so cool. Just their set design with the water coming in and out. They just had stages that moved up and down and uh, just like jumping in the water and then doing acrobats where they had to like climb on each other. I was like, oh, my God, that, that's slippery. I and know. like climbing on you know, trapezes and things. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like it was really crazy to have water be added to an already cool gymnastics show, you know. Yeah. The theme parks really tired us out. So we were um keen to relax a bit we enjoyed the pool area went to the gym twice which yeah was nice. yeah it was nice to just um be a little bit more slow paced because mm-hmm. with disney and universal we were go 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 get to this ride get to that shop get to this show it was insane so um we did really enjoy vegas mm-hmm. oh man having such a great time i can't believe it's almost time to go home it is crazy stands by so fast like many of us this week's guest love of harry potter started when his grandmother gifted him the first book since then he's collected every available translation and edition of philosopher's stone rare books signed books first editions and other impressive pieces 
His collection has been featured in the Rolling Library, MuggleNet, Metro UK, and Media Drum World. Please welcome Peter Kenneth, the Potter Collector. Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> How are you? We're very good. So thank you for joining us. Other good. side of the world, yeah, different absolutely. time zones. Yes, yeah, it's, it's two it's 2:30 a.m. here. <laughs> I feel so bad. What time it's is only, it over there? It's 5:30 in the afternoon. Okay. Okay. So I feel like I'm glad to be talking to you, but I feel like we probably could have worked out a more suitable time. Yeah, we but, really appreciate it, but though, we're thank very you. grateful. No, it, you know what? I I um I'm actually very awake because I, I'm in a, a musical currently, the uh, A Tale of Two Cities. I'm playing um Sydney Carton, and we had a matinee and a uh, an evening performance, and I'm always very energetic after performances so this this worked out you know oh my what? gosh this is That's, so cool i didn't even realize that musicals was something else i should have prepared for that <laughs> uh we completely understand we're musical people performance people as well oh cool Excellent. it's so hard to go to sleep after a show yeah it's buzzing <laughs> <laughs> so you understand Yes, yes. <laughs> perfectly. I understand. That makes total sense now. So I think we'll jump right into it and ask you a bit about your collection. So tell us a bit about how it grew. Like what was, like when did the collection really spark? You know, what made it go from, you know, owning maybe a couple of editions to seriously collecting them? Um, well, a little bit of a backstory. I've always been a collector. Um, I don't know if you guys have Beanie Babies or had Beanie Babies over there, but they're yeah, called Beanie Kids, but same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I was a huge collector of those when I was a kid and Pokemon cards. Um, so if I really love something, I tend to collect it in some manner. Um, so so I'm, I'm a natural born collector, so it was kind of natural that I would begin to collect the books. Um, but how it started was I, I purchased, um, the, the first translation I purchased was Italian because um, that's my heritage. I'm, I'm Italian and it had different cover art and that really interested me and, and intrigued me. And that's kind of what sparked, sparked it all because then I did research on other, other, um, translations and books from different countries and, and loved seeing how different countries and people in those countries, how they interpret Harry Potter and the, the wizarding world, um, differently from from America or or the the British books or you know which which you guys share the covers as the of um, that the British books have uh, over in Australia. Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah so, but I mean, Australia. you would have you would have grown up with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, right? Correct. Yes, and and I'm I'm one who's I mean I'm okay with the whole change because it is what it is. But I am I am someone who would prefer that the American books be called Philosopher's Stone. But, <laughs> but at this point, it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You can't change it after mm. 20 years. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it would be a bit yeah. silly to change it now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, so that's, so, so the, the, the different cover arts on the translations is kind of what sparked it initially. Um, and being a collector, you want to have all of them. <laughs> so, so that's, um, or at least for me. So that's that's how it kind of sparked and started. How, yeah. how old were you when you got that first Italian translation? I was 15 or 16 when, when I first started. Yeah, I think that's so um, interesting because I think that's really the age where you do start to sort of have more of your own interests. And, you know, even if you liked something when you were younger. Totally. I don't know. Yeah. 
So yeah. that's when I that's when I found the Beatles and then I started yeah. going crazy collecting like I wouldn't say I'm a collector but I okay. do have quite a few like I have like a Beatles part of my bookshelf and I have a lot of Beatles books and yeah. I have everyone has it has become a thing where people get me like Beatles mugs and um you know little things like that and um but I think I was about that age too where I found something I was really passionate about and then mm. I kind of kind of like you with finding out that there were different editions and stuff when I found the Beatles music, I just, it was natural for me to then want to know as much as I could about them. So then I started researching and exactly. going to the library. Yep. Yeah. It was kind of a natural progression. And so that's what it was like for you. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, actually, I was researching before I was able to, to, to start collecting, um, I guess, rewind to, to 2001. Um, when I, I guess I officially started collecting this might seem like a really strange question, but obviously I have only ever read and seen The Philosopher's Stone, but I've th- I had just had this thought, it's like in the movie, you know, I've seen like on the internet, like the posters and it says Sorcerer's Stone, but in the movie, don't they say Philosopher's Stone? They did two takes. <gasps> they did! They did! Oh my God. One time they say, yeah, yeah. <gasps> one time they say Sorcerers, one time they say Philosophers. Oh my wow. God, so yeah. when... Yeah, I actually I had the same thought years ago and and purchased Philosopher's Stone from from the UK. Oh and my god! A different take. That's yeah. so cool because yeah. Caitlin literally just said before, oh, they wouldn't make him do it twice, surely. Oh, sure. yeah, they they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Uh, Nicholas Vermeil is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone, and then it's the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh my! Oh my god. goodness! Yeah. yeah. Nice accent, by the way. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay, okay that's awesome so how many how many harry potter books do you actually own i own over 1200 harry potter oh books my, oh wow yeah i i haven't counted recently so it, it may be well I, it's it's over 1200 so it, it may be closer to 13 at this point but they're all individual books so i, I don't have you know five to ten copies of you know the philosopher's stone paperback or you know that sort of a thing it's all different translations um different editions uh within translations um rare books signed books all of, all of that fun stuff i can't believe in thir- in almost 1300 books probably they're all different and wow and there's probably a thousand more to collect different editions of trans because all of the translations have different editions, special editions, first editions, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so there, there's still a lot more to collect. Um, but as of now, I have every single published translation of all seven Harry Potter books. Wow. And then a bunch of uh, different editions within within those translations. That's incredible. Oh, my God. That's okay. amazing. What was the last addition to your collection? Hawaiian. Because really? it was just released. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Hawaiian was actually a surprise to translation collectors. No one knew it was coming out um, until word broke a, a fellow collector on Instagram sent everyone a message is this an authorized translation? Is this real? Because no one, no one had heard about it. So everyone was ordering the book, and then it turns out it, it was indeed an authorized translation. So that was kind of the surprise of the year. But yeah, um, Hawaiian. Um, so do you only collect like authorized translations? Yes, I have a few um, unauthorized or legal translations. There are a lot of uh, Chinese ones. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's an Armenian one that I have. Um, but but mostly I stick to to authorized. 
So is the Scottish one? <laughs> I think that's unauthorized. I don't know. Oh, no, Scots want... is Scots. That's... You mean Scots? Yeah. No, that is authorized. Yeah, that's an authorized translation. Because it's just so funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> is it not fun to read? It is so <laughs> You just have to go full out with the accent. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what about the yeah. the next the next one then? Do you know what the next edition to your collection will be? I have some, the, the 20th anniversary German editions uh, by Carlson. Um, they are on their way. Some brand new covers, which are beautiful. They, they, Carlson is sending those to me to, to do a review on, on YouTube. So I'm going to be doing a, a video unboxing and, and review on those uh, when they arrive. So those would be, those are probably the, the, the ones that are at least planned that I know are coming. Yeah, fair enough. Do you have a favorite? Favorite book overall? Yeah, like yeah. An, a favorite edition. The Philosopher's Stone Uncorrected Proof. Is <gasps> oh, of yeah. course. Favorite book. Oh, wow. It's just anytime I, I, I touch it, it's like history. It's just, it's all of Harry Potter history is, is you know, in this book, basically the first ever published Harry Potter book, um, one of 200 copies. So there's rarity involved and... Just, just to think that this was the book that it, it, it's just there's so much history in in a lot of these books. And, All started and with that one. That one specifically was was always a dream. You know, when I started collecting books, it was a a dream that 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 I thought never would be fulfilled. So, you know, when it was fulfilled, it was a magical day. But it, it's 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 continued to be my favorite was it difficult to get a hold of that like what how do you i don't even know how you go about collecting stuff like that i actually got very lucky on that one so so there's there's i talk about about this on a bunch of instagram live videos and sometimes on youtube the harry potter market has like exploded because people in my generation your gener our generation are now growing up and we have adult money to spend, you know, we're, we're grown up kids with adult money. Um, so we're, there are so many collectors that are flooding the market. Everyone wants first editions. Everyone wants, you know, this, this book, that book. Um, but I was lucky because I got in before that happened. Um, so a lot of the books that I have, you know, are, are unattainable for me at currently. Um, and, and the uncorrected proof is one of them. I found it at um, Sotheby's, I think it was Sotheby's, the, or Bonham's auction houses. And um, there just must not have been a lot of people bidding at the time because it went for my price range. So, so it was kind of shocking. But, but that was five years ago, but, but five or six years ago. But to think in five or six years, you know, the value has tripled or it's, it's worth four times what I paid for it now just it, it's 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 exploded first printings of of philosopher's stone um i think the now the new record is is eighty five thousand dollars um for a fine copy unsigned um where you would spend maybe twenty thousand dollars um you know five six years ago just massive increase because there's no there's there's no supply and there's a huge demand at the moment so so it's it's been it's been fun to watch, um, but I'm I'm thankful I got in when I did because I'm pretty much I feel I feel very content with my collection and feel as though I'm essentially 
done rare book wise. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful I got in when I did. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I was, I mean, I'm just thinking, um, you know, a few years ago, like, you know, you'd go to secondhand shops and things like that, and they'd have full sets. And like, that's how I bought my, my younger brother his own set. So I was like, you're not touching mine. Um, <laughs> but, but now you, you never see them. Like, mm-hmm. no one's donating their Harry Potter books anymore. People are keeping them. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean to say, I don't, I don't mean to discourage anyone who, who was listening, who may be wanting to start a collection. Um, eBay is a great, great place to find rare Harry Potter books. Um, they pop up when you least expect them. So if you know what you're looking for and you're watching for them, you can get some insane bargains. I mean, sometimes you feel bad buying the book from the seller, but I mean, you know, if, if, if the seller doesn't do their research, you know, it, it's fair game essentially this is how I look at it at least. Um, but, but I do sometimes feel bad. You're like, Oh, but I really want it, you know? <laughs> so, so be encouraged if you're listening and you're, you're thinking, Oh, it's too late to start collecting. It's not too late. Um, do your research, get in the game and, and you can, you can collect too. So um, apart from books, do you collect much other Harry Potter merchandise or any other fandom stuff? Um, I collect uh, artwork by the original illustrators of the Harry Potter books. Um, and I've recently moved into artwork by the, um, the translators, uh, translators, the uh, translation illustrators as well. So, so preliminary artwork, so artwork that, you know, the sketches that they did before they finish the piece as they were kind of taking out what they taking what they had in their head out and putting it on paper. And, um, that's, that's, that's the sort of thing I love. I talk about the history of, you know, Harry Potter books all the time and that that's what gets me super excited. Um, but to see kind of the, the history behind the illustrations even, and, and what the process was, um, that, that this illustrator was, was going through and, how how the the final illustration evolved um is is so fun for me to see so uh so yeah so so uh uh, artwork by the illustrators um i've done some commissions and then actually uh made friends with some of them which is which is very fun giles greenfield uh who did goblet of fire so the the uk version of goblet of fire uh, more australian version of goblet of fire (laughs) um yeah, so so great, great humans and uh, very talented artists, and it's 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 fun to uh, to collect their work. I'm just thinking, yeah. like the the translations um, and all the different covers, like I, it is very interesting. And because you know they don't, none of them look the same. Mm. The different interpretations are gorgeous. Um, there are some funny covers though there are some weird ones that i've seen yeah there are (laughs) what's the strangest one in your collection well like to you the strangest one the strangest one is persian farsi persian um because it's like a a mishmash of random things that don't necessarily make sense like there's like a a haunted house and there's this random safari man kind of running and <laughs> Harry's on a broom in the middle. And it's, it's like, it doesn't really make sense. And I've, I've talked to people, um, in, in, uh, you know, fans in, in Iran and, um, and, and they don't know what it means either. They don't know what... uh, the, the Goblet of Fire cover for Farsi Persian, for example, it's dragons, but then 
like dinosaurs from Jurassic Park, like, <laughs> like T-Rex from Jurassic Park, Velociraptors. But then like within the, the eggs of the, you know, the drag, you know, like on the, the Goblet of Fire cover, you see Harry swooping in to, yeah, to grab the golden, golden egg. egg yeah. like with, behind the eggs are Lexi and Tim, the kids from Jurassic Park. What? Like, it makes no sense and no one can explain it. It's, but it's, it's the funniest thing. I love it. I love yeah, the colors, but that's so they make it sense. Caitlin and I always disagree. Some of my favorite covers are like the, the new pop art covers with the really nice like line drawing illustrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. really like them. Caitlin hates them. I don't hate them. They're just not my favorite. I like them. But I also like the new one that they're bringing out in America, or it may already even be out by now, that has the kind of the snake intertwining across the seven books. Yep. That, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this is the 20th anniversary set. Yeah, because yeah, no, we're not, we're like our 20th anniversary sets here are the house editions, mm. um, and they've not, like, they're not I doing anything they've... else apart from those. No. How have you felt seeing all the 20th anniversary stuff come out? I love it, personally. Um, as a collector, you know, the, the more the merrier, <laughs> in my opinion. But but one thing that disappoints me is that a lot of translations are either the the, the house covers or uh, uh, that, that, that you're talking about or uh, Solani, I think that's, that's how you pronounce the Italian publisher. They, they're coming out with um, the American 20th anniversary covers. And I would love to see like new artwork, German, like Germany, for example, you know, they, they released new German editions and it's, it's this new cover art that we've not seen. Um, so that's, I, I guess that's, that's my, that would be a disappointment for me, um, is not seeing a lot of new artwork. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a great opportunity to to bring out some new stuff. <laughs> but know, they're just, so. you know, same on the outside, different language yeah. on the inside. And yeah. I, I guess the difference to when they started marketing Harry Potter as a series, each different market would have its own way of interpreting it. Like obviously mm-hmm. in some markets it was directed more at children and then there was an adult edition, as we know. In some markets they've obviously tried to keep it a bit a bit of both and stuff. But now Harry Potter is so recognisable that you don't really need to market it specifically because, you know, it's, it's such a global phenomenon now that – and I guess maybe that's why they're not – putting as much effort into designing different covers for each specific market. Yeah, that's very well said that that very well could be the case. Yeah. Yeah, because it is nice to see different covers and different interpretations of the things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Peter, what is it that, you know, you love about Harry Potter? Because, like, obviously it's had a huge impact on your life, but can you pinpoint, I guess, why it is that this series has been so momentous and important for you? Probably the the magic and fantasy and this this world that I I feel like this is the same answer that everyone gives, but but it's it's true. It it's 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 a place to escape to, um, or go to when you're when you're feeling sad and and it's I I think I mean it's I mean it's it's so well written and detailed that it's it's real. When you're reading it, you know, but it, and it's based in our real world, so it's I don't it's I don't know what it is honestly I don't know what it is about Harry Potter, but it's just the the magic, the fantasy, the the feeling that it's it's a real world that you can go to and be a part of um, and and escape to if if you need to or whenever you want to you know how, as J.K. Rowling said, Hogwarts will always be there. 
to welcome you home. And it's very true. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, does that answer your question? Yeah, it I does. think so. Yeah. I, no, I think anyone who's a fan of the series will, will, you know, agree that it's so hard yeah. to put into words why it means so much to so many people, but it yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and another part is is it? I mean, for, and for a lot of people, it it taught them how to read. Um, I was twelve when I first started reading the books, and um, yeah, I struggled with reading at the age at age twelve and spelling and you know just just uh, English in general. And I struggled through Sorcerer's Stone, and it. Harry Potter taught me how to read. And from that, I, I learned, you know, my, my spelling uh, improved. And so, so so there's that aspect as well. That. I think for so many people, it sparked a passion, even if they were readers beforehand, it sparked like a new passion for books. And I think that's just always so lovely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite book in the series? Um, Chamber of Secrets. Oh, I, you don't hear that very yeah. often. Yeah, actually, actually don't. Yeah, most no, people really say Prisoner don't. of Azkaban. It, 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 it's, it's, it's frustrating, actually, because it's such a good book. It, just a mystery, and there's mm. so much great mystery of, of what's this voice that's, that's Chamber of Secrets, and I, I love it. I absolutely love Chamber of Secrets, and Chamber of Secrets is my favorite movie as well. I'm not, I'm not really sure why, but... Yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite. Mm. Obviously, I love them all, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But Prisoner of Azkaban is a popular favorite for most. Like when I see on Instagram people asking which one your favorite book is, that comes up a lot. It does come up a lot, yeah. Mine's Half-Blood Prince, just because I really like that it's kind of the first time it kind of spills over into our world and it feels really real that like yeah. there's that, I don't know, intrigue with it potentially and don't kid yourself you probably love that they do all the research on Voldemort and yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's like it, it starts to get really serious and you start to see you know all the bits and pieces that have been building up th- through the series coming together and I don't know I just really love Half-Blood Prince yeah yeah the yeah the whole Pensieve scenes were my favorites of, of I was always so excited when Harry <laughs> would go have you know lessons with Dumbledore because it's like oh we're gonna learn more about you know Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. No, I do love that. I do love it. Now, what about the movie? What do you ah. think about Half Blood Prince movie? I kind of love no. That. I don't know. It's I hate the movie. <laughs> I love. I hate it. I hate it. It's terrible. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, that's think... the worst movie for me. I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I I definitely see everything that mm. everyone says with that. And I think Half-Blood Prince was also trying to be a teen movie. Yeah. Because there was like the romance yeah. stuff and, you know, comedy things. And it was trying to be a fun teen movie. Anyway. Um, Of all the translations you have as well, I'm interested to know, can you actually read any other languages or anything? Like, have you been able to read any of the other books? No. I mean, I can read the first paragraph of every single one of them, but that's not me actually reading them. It's yeah, I mean, just, yeah, paragraph. it's with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair enough, actually. No, it's no, I it, yeah, it's I get asked that a lot, actually. Like, do you, do you actually read other other? Uh, can you speak other languages or read other languages? And I say no, and it's like, oh, what's the point of having all the books? <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand, or I wouldn't expect you to understand if you're not a collector, I guess. 
No, yeah. I guess not. Oh, we were talking about this with Veronica Roth at Brisbane Writers Festival because obviously Divergent's been um, translated into lots of editions and stuff and we were yeah. all just saying like how much we admire people who can read it in other languages or oh, absolutely. who maybe read like their traditional language first and then read the English edition Um and it, that's just, I, I wish I could do that. That is I such know. an awesome skill. I do find languages so fascinating. And I don't know how to speak any other languages. And Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat as, as both of you. Maybe one day, like, our goal should be, like, to one day master a language so we can read Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. Or use <laughs> Harry Potter to master the language. Yes. Yeah. I'm really interested to know, like, obviously on your um, Instagram, it says you're a rolling signature expert as well. Let's talk about that and how you came to be an expert in, like, Caitlin was um, telling me about how you can just tell, like, when things were signed and stuff as well. It's yeah, just yeah. amazing. that's what it was, because I think I saw something on your website about fakes, like, if people got her to sign the first book later, so then it's not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been, I've been studying her signature for 17 years. 16 17 years it's kind of just studying this this the style the, the flow of her of her her signature how different points connect uh to each other it, it's it, her signature is, is actually one line well her, her i should say her later signatures starting in 1999 are one line and you can you can follow from the j and then she picks up the pen but it's it still continues up to the top where it crosses the j down to the K where it swirls around to do the, 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 to, to finish the K it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like she picks up her pen, but you can still follow the, the line of her signature. And she did that to essentially sign books faster um, as she became more popular. But her 1997 signature, for example, it's, it's a, a J stop period K stop period. And then she, for the most part, spelled out rolling. Um, so those are the 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 rarest variations of her signature, of course. But 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 yeah, it's been so interesting to kind of see how her signature has evolved since 1997 to to now even. And uh, I'm 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 good up until probably 2007, which is when Deathly Hollows came out. But for the most part, she kept it very similar since since Deathly Hollows was released um, up until now. Um, but, but yeah, I can, I can tell when a book was signed, um, based on looking at the signature. Wow. So So then like if people were trying to say, sell, you know, an edition of Philosopher's Stone or or Chamber of Secrets saying that, you know, they got her to sign it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For example, yeah, you, you, you find a, I, I've, I've seen, I mean, it was a poor example, but a 99, uh, 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 excuse me, 97 variation, um, you know, the J period, K period, uh, rolling in like a, a tenth printing of Philosopher's Stone. That's, that's impossible because it, the tenth printing came out, you know, sometime in, in 1998. <laughs> so, right. so that wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't find that signature in that book or, or even later, later books like Goblet of Fire. I've, I've seen a, a 97 signature type, um, uh, in one of those, but you, her signature has evolved so much since then um, that it, I mean, you would know right away that it was fake, and, and it's it's hard because I get asked all the time to do like a, a video on rolling signature and how to how to spot signatures, but the problem is with the market 
being as as big as it is right now, that brings in a a lot of of forgers. So you see a lot of forgeries on showing up on the market. Um, so so I'm hesitant to share too much. I haven't quite found the balance yet of how to share too much, but enough that that collectors can still kind of take that and do their own research. Whereas a forger wouldn't even waste their time. Um, but but it's 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 stuff like what what printing of the book would you find this signature in, or uh, how many how many of the books would you could you find this signature in? You know that sort of thing. Yeah, well, because you um, wouldn't want a forger to have, you know. I've I've had uh, a forger email me, and this this was a while back where they were asking me questions about signatures, and oh, what do you think about this one? And oh, that one's fake, or what do you think about this one? Or oh, that one's in the the, the wrong edition, or or wrong printing of of that book, so that that's that's not real, and you can tell by the the way the J is connected to the K, or you know whatever it was. Um, that it's not authentic. And then I was able to connect the email address to uh, an, an eBay account. And the signatures that they showed me were on this eBay account and they were trying to sell these books. Oh, no. Oh, I just can't so, believe the goal of some people so, to do that. I know, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah so, it's so, so I'm very hesitant. It's, it's unfortunate now because I, I'm hesitant to give information over email now to people who, who may legitimately be asking you know for their collection or or whatever so 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 what i tell people now is is and it's somewhat of a burden for me but i also have friends who are also very good at at authenticating her signature that i can kind of send things to but i i recommend that you just send me an email if if there's a signature you're looking to buy send me an email with a screenshot of it and and i'll 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 say it's it's good or, or or stay away from it yeah so i haven't quite figured out the the balance yeah, um, no, that would be for, hard. you know, teaching. But on my website, thepottercollector.com, I have a signature timeline. Um, and those are all authentic examples that shows from 1997 to, I think, 2008 of um, authentic examples and kind of, kind of shows the evolution of her signature. Um, so I would just recommend that people do their own research. I mean, if, if, if I could do it, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but use, use the, the, the examples that I, um, that I've put online and, um, start educating yourselves, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. All right. Well then I guess, you know, from worrying about the line there of what to, of what to share to, you know, sharing your collection on the internet. So tell us a bit about why you started, to you know, share it on Instagram, YouTube, etc. Uh, part of it was just to kind of just to document it for myself, um, especially on Instagram. Just just uh, photos. I enjoy taking photos, and um, there's there's that aspect. But then the, the the main aspect is is to help educate other collectors like myself. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I know that there are a lot of new collectors out there, and um, whether you're new, old, or experienced, or unexperienced, inexperienced, um, I wanted to to be a resource to to other collectors. 
in, in their collecting journey. So I actually have a funny story about that. Last year, I think it was, uh, Michelle and I actually went to uh, Brisbane and we went into a secondhand bookshop and I found an edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone that had like a black and white photo of the, the train, train. Yeah. and I just bought it because I was like, okay. Um, but then I scrolled back on Instagram <laughs> like a long way <laughs> to try and I was like, he's got to have it somewhere. Um, and I found it and I found out that it was the UK. The, the, the first adult edition, yeah, in the, the um, yeah, the, yeah, it came, came in a boxed set or a, they, they, I guess they were sold uh, individually, but but it also came in a, a one through four box set. But they stopped after book four, which is unfortunate before they started with the new adult edition. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it so would have been good to series. see it would have been good to see all of them. But um yeah, well once I didn't know what to search or like try and find it or anything, but I already followed you, so I just stalked you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have it. So yeah. you, you figured it out. That's good. I do, yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a great example though, you know, that's 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 one of the reasons. It's it's to to help collectors and other fans and and also to to encourage and inspire you know fans that that they can collect too um you know my i after every post after every youtube video i say keep collecting um and that's that's just an encouragement if, if you're a collector to to keep at it even even if you can buy if you can buy 10 books a month or one book a month or one book a year just keep at it and before you know it you'll have a uh a great collection of Harry Potter books that you can be proud of. What's yeah. been the good thing about sharing online? Like you said, you've been sharing to help other people. What kind of feedback, like obviously the Harry Potter community and like we find the bookstagram community as well, like those little pockets of lovely people on the Amazing internet. Amazing people. Yeah. How, how have you found that? Oh yeah. Well, um, one of my, one of my best for two of my best friends, actually, um, I found, well, one I found on Instagram and then one I found through, uh, actually through, through eBay. Her, her mother purchased one of my signed books. This was probably 12 years ago and, um, oh, and, and gave it to her daughter as a gift. And then someone else who I was talking to at the time uh, referred her daughter to me to have the book that I sold to her mom checked to see if it was authentic or not. And she sent, <laughs> oh my so she sent me a picture and she's like, Hey, I, I was referred to you by, um, by so-and-so and, um, uh, is, this, is this book authentic? And I said, yeah, I, I sold that book. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, my mom bought it for me. And, and anyway, so, so we got to talking and, and, uh, her name's Carly and, uh, and then also, uh, uh, my friend, uh, Mel is I, who I met on Instagram. Um, so, so I've met a lot of amazing people and there are so many more people that I, I can't even, uh, mention that, that I've, I've become friends with. Yeah. It's such what a, a it's so amazing, isn't it? Cause like, obviously there is a lot of horrible shit that happens on the internet, but then there are you so have many these, wonderful things. Yeah, so many amazing experiences. It just kind of restores your faith in humanity Absolutely. that there are really lovely people out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've also found, um, so I, I finished my translation collection in February um, with uh, which one? Chamber of Secrets uh, Malayalam, which is an Indian language um, uh, out of uh, Kerala, India. It, you know, when I was down to my last ten translations, for example, that I needed to find, you know, I I put word out, "Hey, I'm looking for these translations. If anyone can help me," and people just flooded in with you know either suggestions or people from, from uh, those countries who may have had connections 
And it, it, the, the last 10 or even probably the last 20 translations I needed to find um, came from people, other fans uh, in this community that, that were just willing to help. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, love- it is. Yeah, the, uh, Malayalam came from, from a, a, a fan who had the book and sent it to me. So <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. All of these amazing things that you have in your collection, like, you know, they're just like at your house now, I would assume. Like, are you ever planning, you know, open your own museum or something? I think you've got enough to <laughs> to do that. That is my ultimate goal, actually. Yeah. That would be oh, awesome. Yeah. We'll come visit. We'll yes, have to come we will. visit. <laughs> that would be fun. We'll do a podcast in the museum. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is, is my dream and ultimate goal. And, um, I'm confident that it will one day happen. Just out of curiosity, have you seen Cursed Child? I did. I saw it this uh, this summer. Oh, it's still summer, I guess, here. Um, but I, I just, I, I saw it in June or July. Yeah, in New York. So I, I was able to see the original cast, which is cool. Um, oh, that's, cool. that's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. they've recast it for Australia. Yeah, it starts here um, next year. So, Did you read the read the script? Yes, we both did. Okay. Yeah, I did not, and I'm glad I did oh, not. Oh, really? Um, I was encouraged not to by a lot of fans, and um, oh, so I've, I've got some cursed child issues. But <laughs> but the play was yeah. great. The play yeah. was great, and I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I don't yeah. think I'll ever be able to see it. And I I definitely like my partner and I are moving overseas next year, so oh, okay. I can't afford to go and see it. And it was okay, but yeah, I have issues, a little, a few issues with it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think everyone kind of does, and yeah. I don't think I see it as uncomfortable. I don't, I don't really see it as like with the series. I kind of yeah. see it as separate. Yeah. Um, but uh, the 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 big thing that uh, that I was so annoyed about was that it was being advertised as the eighth the eighth story or eighth the eighth book. Um, and and, and it's not even a book was at the top of the script, you know, in big letters, but she didn't even write it. Yeah, I know. So for all we know, based on a story by J.K. Rowling, literally could be just the original series. Like, I don't really know. We don't know how much she had to do with the story. So, yeah, you know, um, how do you feel about Fantastic Beasts? So I like it, actually. I, I'm a fan of Fantastic Beasts. And it may be the fact that, that it was written by J.K. Rowling. You know, I, I don't know. But, yeah. but it's, yeah. I, I think it's a fun story. It's fun knowing that it's a story that she's had in her head that she's now telling. I love um, Eddie Redmayne yeah, yeah. as Newt. Yeah. I think he just plays it so gorgeously. And yeah, he's just, he's beautiful as Newt. I just love him. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Jude Law as Dumbledore as well. I think- yeah, I'm in, yeah, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see to see how he'll portray Dumbledore. The one thing I'm a little annoyed with is that, or it's something I, I guess I'm not really annoyed, but I would have hoped that they would have made him a little more hairy, like more more beard than he than he has, because in that time, you know, he he had a longer beard because we see him because we see him in Chamber of Secrets. So it's so first. I think it's like a difference of I, I, don't quote me on this, but it's a difference of like eight to. 10 years or something from the time we see him in Fantastic Beasts or Crimes of Grindelwald to Chamber of Secrets. Um, 
Oh, you're and, right. And he's got like this long auburn hair uh, or a beard. And um, look older in crimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but I, I mean that's just a, a minor thing. I just hope they don't have they don't make us wait until the last movie to see uh, the the duel, the famous duel between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Because that's something I always wanted to see. So I was excited when, when I heard I was going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, and um, in case anyone doesn't follow you yet, what house are you in? Uh, I am Slytherin. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> I kind of... <laughs> I, okay. love, I love it. This is a total, like, fan, like, annoying fan thing, but I kind of hate when people say they're in Gryffindor. Just, just be, yeah. like yeah. sometimes you can tell when people are like, oh yeah, I'm a Gryffindor. I'm a Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I got so annoyed at um, Kings Cross Station when we were doing like the fan photos because my friend and I are both Ravenclaw and they had two Gryffindor scarves, but only one of all the other house colors. And I was like, excuse me, yeah. but we took some fun photos of us fighting over the scarf and stuff. But still, I was like. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Really? I agree. Yeah, like how hard is it to have an extra surf? Oh, and Caitlin's Hufflepuff. Yes, I was about to say, for the record, I'm Hufflepuff. Yeah. So Hufflepuff and then... Oh, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, okay. Yeah, the, the other thing that annoys me, um, a, a fan thing that annoys me is, is the mixture of houses. Oh, if people say they're like a Slitherpuff. A Slitherpuff. It's like, no, you, 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 you are not sorted into two houses. It's like you may have <laughs> you get of one houses, but you are one house. <laughs> So. I agree. That kind of bugs me yeah. too. Because it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, um, yeah. um, so to finish the podcast, where can people find you online? I'm mainly on um, Instagram and YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash the Potter Collector. Instagram.com slash the Potter Collector or at the Potter Collector. Um, I also have a website that I need to update. <laughs> um, but that's the, the Potter Collector.com. And then I'm also on Twitter, but I, I don't use it super often, but I, but I am on Twitter uh, from uh, every now and then. And that is at Potter Collector because the Potter Collector was too long. Of so course it Potter was. Thanks Twitter. on Twitter. Um, I'm also on uh, Facebook um, at the Harry Potter Collector. So it's kind of confusing. But <laughs> yeah. By adding the word Harry on Facebook, it allowed people to find me easier than the Potter Collector. Oh, true. Yeah. It's all confusing yeah. and algorithms and all of that stuff. They're the worst, aren't they? Um, yeah, they Caitlin, are. where can people find us? Well, everyone can find us at Better Words Pod. We've tried to keep it a bit more consistent. <laughs> um, and that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our website is betterwordspodcast.com. Excellent. So thank you thank so, you so much, much for joining thank us. Thank you guys. I'm so glad this this worked out. Yeah, it's been so much fun. This has been very fun. I think it's up to say keep collecting everyone. Yes, love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs>